Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. the gates ready to go outkick 360 is back for this friday edition with chad withrow and paul koharski i'm jonathan hutton we broadcast each and every day from our home studio sixth and peabody with yeehaw beer and old smoky moonshine if you're in the nashville area swing by pre-game post-game pre-concert whatever it might be six and peabody's got it for you with the best food and drinks crew's all here today a lot to get to bobby carpenter from outkick Uh, Talks all things college football with us. That's coming up in about an hour and a half. Looking forward to that chat as we do each Friday with Bobby. Uh, Brent Hubbs and Austin Price of VolQuest.com discuss recruiting and more as the Vols begin bowl preparations for Purdue in the Music City Bowl coming up in a couple of weeks. That's in our final hour. Uh, A lot to discuss in hour number one. Bowl games kicking off today. Uh, My alma mater, MTSU, facing Toledo right now. Nice shirt. Go Blue Raiders and the NFL maneuvering games to fit within week 15 because of COVID-19 protocol and adjusting their COVID-19 protocol. Just to kick off the show, uh, earlier today, Raiders and Browns, the Raiders are in their practice facility, their indoor practice facility. Uh, The scene was set where they have their bags packed. They are waiting to board buses that will take them to the Vegas airport to fly them to Cleveland where... They were originally scheduled to play tomorrow. They were told to hold tight, not get on the buses. Stand because down. The, stand down because the NFL was going to reschedule the game. They have postponed that game. They've rescheduled Raiders-Browns originally for tomorrow. They will play Monday at 5 o'clock Eastern, followed by Vikings and Bears, which is already previously scheduled. So a doubleheader on Monday night. And Washington and Philly... Uh, The football team in Washington has been hit hard with uh, COVID-19 protocol and policy. They've been moved to Tuesday night, as has L.A. and Seattle. The reason why the Browns, my theory here, why the Browns were not moved to Tuesday as well to give them the extra 24 hours is they currently are scheduled to play against Green Bay on Christmas Day, which is a week from tomorrow. So that's why... They're not yeah. pushed to Tuesday to then ensure a shorter week for the Browns for competitive advantage. Uh, the Raiders wanted to play tomorrow. The NFL said we're moving it to Monday to uh, help out the the hosts, the Cleveland Browns. But here's the NFL with a weekend ahead, and maybe these are the only three games that need to be moved. Maybe not, based on where we started yesterday with You've all this news. Got to have some guys test back in for this to be relevant, really. <laughs> And so do we see more rule changes or do we see guys begin to test negative? We've said now you have three chances a day to test negative. You need two negative tests after a positive test to get back in, which sounds, I don't want to say easy, but it's more opportunity to test negative to get back in. But we've seen plenty of asymptomatic um 
positive test guys not be able to get the negative tests to get back in. Uh, Mike Vrabel amongst them here in Nashville. This was back in August when he uh, he got it in Tampa Bay when the Titans trained with the Bucks for two days and then played a game there. He came back. He did have mild symptoms, which prompted him to take the test. But then he felt fine, and for 10 days he could not get the negative test to get back in. So I'm curious how much this can, can change, or you've got a theory on maybe the rules changing yeah. further. I, I think they have to continue to adjust their rules and protocols over the weekend. Um, and, and here's my idea or theory as to what could happen. The management, the upper management for the NFLPA reportedly wants daily testing. There are players that will tell you they want to do away with testing altogether for asymptomatic players uh, and, and, and vaccinated players. And I'm on board with that because if they come to an agreement, I'm going to read what uh, Jerry Jones well, let's, said. L- l- let me read the tweet from Tom Pelissero because it's not just about asymptomatic or vaccinated players. This is from Tom Pelissero. Sources say the NFLPA has received feedback that a majority of players want to eliminate all COVID protocols altogether. They want to stop testing. They want to stop messing with it. Which leads me to the question of how many unions out there go against the majority of their group when making decisions? Well, that's a great point. And I... I, Hutton and I have bashed a union for years as being yeah, the, no more the testing, no more quarantining, nothing. But that's fine. But they we're for, play. we're forgetting the other side of this. The league probably won't go along with that. That's well, fine. That half I'll half say, may. So first, what has to happen is the union has to represent the players and bring that to the table. But then the league would have to go along with I, but it. But all I don't know we that the hear are reports that they're testing because the union, the players' association, mandates they they get tested, not the league. Well, for for those who said I'm one of them who say the NFLPA is is doesn't have Awful. much power, they they accomplished something today that the NFL was totally against. Yeah, Move and that game. was moving games um, back 24 hours, 48 hours. The NFL does not want to do that, and the NFLPA got that done today. Just so happens that J.C. Treader, the president of the NFLPA, is a player that's currently on the COVID-19 protocol list for the Cleveland Browns. But I digress. So l- let me let me give a theory here. I think over the weekend, there's an opportunity for the NFL and the NFLPA to negotiate and, and come to an agreement with the, with the protocols and the testing that even Mike Florio is now saying are outdated. And if pro football talk is, is pounding that drum, everybody should take notice of that because he's never been on board with no testing. Asymptomatic vaccinated players uh, should not be tested daily should not be tested weekly. If you're asymptomatic and you're walking around and you're going about your business, that we, we have seen firsthand that the protocols that the NFL has had in place are not working as you look around the league right now and the fact that they're moving games. 97% of the league is vaccinated, and it doesn't matter right now. With that in mind, I think over the weekend they have an opportunity to adjust their protocol and announce on Monday that if you're asymptomatic and you're currently on a COVID-19 list but you're asymptomatic and you're vaxxed, uh, based on the the fact that they were pushing that all off season, come back and say you can play if you're asymptomatic and you feel fine, you can play, and that would allow Cleveland, who's hosting the game, to get players back. They're not having to travel underneath the current protocol; they're already there in Cleveland. Vegas is fine based on these numbers. Um, 
they're not on the serious COVID-19 list that's really been affected this week. There are a number of teams that are, and I'll go through them in a moment. But then you have Washington, who's traveling to Philly. Their game has been moved to Tuesday. Most of the time, teams depart, especially if you're playing East Coast to East Coast. You're, you're traveling day before the game. That would allow Washington, with asymptomatic vaccinated players, to hop on a train or whatever they're doing and travel to Philly and play that game underneath the new protocol that Cleveland would play on the night before. And they could easily bust, and they could easily split people up. Same thing for the Rams. Vaccinated, unvaccinated, Rams would be at home hosting Seattle. Yeah. Here's another factor that needs to be adjusted in the protocols, right? Kevin Seifert, good friend of mine with ESPN, writes, the way I read it, no game could be forfeited without first an attempt to reschedule, which has happened. If it has to be delayed again and can't be rescheduled, then the NFL goes to the next step. Was the outbreak, outbreak triggered by an unvaccinated player? These are the old, old protocols. We remember reading this was another disincentive for the unvaccinated that if a team had to forfeit a game under the circumstances of which no one would be paid, they would trace it back to the unvaccinated, or the unvaccinated guys wouldn't be paid. They'd trace it back to the root of the outbreak. But they didn't foresee the potential for an outbreak among vaccinated players. And right. so they'd have to go back and rewrite this because this isn't fair at all. Here's Jerry Jones on his weekly hit on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Quote, I think, and this is from today, I think we will get to a point probably this week that will only test if symptomatic, and that's if you've been vaccinated. That's a good thing. Test when you're symptomatic, and that's it. That from Jerry Jones, uh, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys and one of the biggest voices in sports, period. That, that's great, but there is unintended consequence there of symptomatic guys lying um, uh, about it, which is definitely going to happen. I mean, who who are we? Who are we going to move they on? lie and they they catch COVID on the playing field? You were saying yesterday you're not doing that. I mean, um, the, but I mean, let's let's think about this. Everyone was told. Everyone, everyone in the media, right. Everyone in government, everyone said, if you sports fans want your sport, go out and get vaccinated. Over ninety five percent of the league is vaccinated, and people are still getting COVID. It hasn't slowed it down. We are seeing another outbreak that's going to happen all over December and January in all of these sports. So who are we moving the blame on to now? Who's to blame for it now? Or are people going to finally just admit it's a virus, it's going to spread, the new variant isn't dangerous that we know right now, we will test if there are symptoms. And if not, we're playing football and we're eliminating protocols. There There was a shift last week from this, and then all of a sudden this all happens this week and... College basketball games are getting yanked. You got games being postponed in the NFL. When are we going to have some common sense about this to where the NFLPA will listen to the majority of their membership and not and eliminate protocols altogether? But Paul, that's where we need to get with this. Paul, that's the only way it's going to stop. And I think I think because too, the virus isn't stopping. Well, that's been proven. The, I'm fine this, with all of that. This this is more. It's more contagious, but there's it's causing less illness and. It, the, the vast majority of these players that are testing positive don't even know they have it. They're asymptomatic. Um, you know, the, the, the testing policy yesterday with what we heard and found out what happened in Cleveland where they, they gathered in meeting rooms, 
They went out and practiced, and then people showed up and tested them post-practice, yeah. and they popped like seven more guys. I agree with all of this, but there still is regular coronavirus, virus, and there still is Delta variant. And, and they're vaxxed. And, so, well, they're not they all vaxxed. The That's the problem. If you're, if if you're that worried about it, why they are you worried? If they were all vaxxed, then there would be no issue whatsoever. But the thing, I'm just saying the lying person who doesn't report his symptoms is the one area that's the concern, the remaining concern. Well, that's I mean, all I'm saying. And, and I don't disagree happens, with anything you said, Chad. That happens with But the any, guy who lies illness. and gets on the plane and spreads it to the other unvaccinated guy who then potentially takes it somewhere, that's the, the problem. But no, no, that's not the problem because what you failed to mention is these guys go home to families, kids are going to school, unmasked, they're walking around. I mean, what difference does it make if you're masked in a practice facility right now? Zero. Absolutely zero. It's, it's, it, we continue to try to play this blame game of, well, it's the 4% that's unvaccinated that that's why you have to continue to... T- no, you don't. No. This is, it's all a fear game, all right? And let me explain it this way. Because I've been called, you know, weak or afraid because I got vaccinated. Well... People are either afraid of the vaccine or afraid of the virus, and you're doing one or the other. You know, I could call that person, well, you're weak because you're afraid of a simple vaccine, but they're, they don't care. You can't make someone care about a virus that they've researched and they don't care about. So why should the league care? These players would sign off on doing whatever it takes. They don't care if someone well, lied about symptoms that's vaccinated or not. I just and Paul, we're just past the point of stupidity with all of this. That who are who exactly are we protecting anymore? If you think about it too, though, the, Cole Beasley for, for those he doesn't who are, care for those who are not who, who feel sick but they show up to work anyway. That happens every yeah, day, all the time. With but stuff. but if if so, all these vaccinated players who are popping positives right now, the the, the policies that have been in place where currently they're tested weekly are really there to get the guys who may be feeling sick but aren't reporting that anyway. Yeah, you're right. So there are policies in place that are that are there to help teams figure out uh, and and limit the spread. The problem is it's all it's, it's across teams and leagues right now affecting games and the league's going to play. So I if I think if you want to get through this and guys aren't sick, that's the key here. Guys are not sick, they're not ill. Let them play. I, I don't disagree with any of this. I, I'm, I'm trying to be forward-thinking with the next question. What happens in a month if there's a Q variant and it does make people real sick? I mean, what if, uh, you know, the, the virus that saying, wipes out humanity comes around five years from now? No, we can play this what what I'm saying, game with they, everything. Uh, if they roll back all of this stuff, then next month do you just roll it all back in? You can absolutely change it as, I just, as needed. I mean, but but let's right just, let's, now let's, their policies let's cancel, aren't working. Let's cancel life then, because there's always the possibility of a virus making people very very sick, and it's going to run its course one way or the other. I think what all of this has proven is we can try to shame either side of whatever, and it doesn't matter. The virus is going right. to do what the virus is going to do. The NFL a year ago was preaching and touting how great they were at everything. And look, we've had a season, even though we moved games around and this and that. Now they've got 95% of the league vaccinated. And guess what? The league's all getting COVID again after government officials, medical experts, people who run leagues, own teams, sat there for months and said, if you get vaccinated, you won't get it and this will be over. And it's not. 
So let's take the blinders off, understand it's going to continue to happen, applaud the fact that 95% of the league is vaccinated and won't get sick, and move on. And those that don't want to get vaccinated, if they get sick, so be it. They've got all the information in front of them. They're more afraid of getting a needle in their arm than they are the, the virus. That's their right. Well, That's the, not on the league but, to protect Chad, them. It's not on me to protect them. The guys it's who not get on you it, guys to protect them. But the guys who get it, Aaron Rodgers, who's not vaxxed, He's he's underneath this ninety day protocol window where he's got the he's got the antibodies now. Now, so even he's I mean, and, and he he said his symptoms were asymptomatic and fine. Uh, and again, Aaron Rodgers doesn't care. You know that's but, a, that we're that's all we're all trying to care for Aaron Rodgers or Cole Beasley or any of these players who won't get vaccinated. They don't need you to care for them. They they. The last thing on their mind that they're well, worried about is getting COVID the, and something bad happened. The, but the, it, the, the whole issue leading up to the season was if you're unvaxxed, you're out 10 days and you're hurting your team. And the reality is these guys who pop, who are vaxxed, are sitting out uh, around the same amount of time. They're not testing out of this policy. The, the policy is terrible yeah, the policy to get players back a, on the field a, if you're asymptomatic. And it's, I mean, again, if, if this variant that they're, uh, the Omicron that they're testing positive for is not causing illness, what difference does it make if you play with Omicron or play with the common flu? And they're right moving now? at light speed on adjusting uh, the protocols and the game schedule now over the last two days. Like you said, I would imagine they're going to keep working on the protocols for a while now because. If they don't change anything, what's going to change in terms of player availability between now and Monday and Tuesday? Well, it's not, they're, they're real. It's not going to be not, a lot. Nothing. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're we're exactly. in a time now where it's clear that everything's spiking. And so this is just going to continue to happen across sports until people figure out, hey, let's just let's do away with the protocols altogether. And I don't know that we're any... I, I thought a week ago we were getting closer to that point. Maybe now that the NFL and the PA can get together and negotiate something different, maybe we get closer to that point. Well, but Hutton, your theory, I think, holds weight with what could happen by Sunday or Monday in terms of not testing asymptomatic vaccinated players. That's probably what's going to happen first, even though I want it all to be wiped away. That's probably the next step. I, I think you have to make it effective immediately when you put that into into account and the idea the nflpa management and leadership wants to test daily if you do that the league is shut down based on their current policy if you want daily testing for vaccinated consequences of a positive have to be dramatic that's what i'm saying like you can test positive but right now you're in covid protocol for a a maximum of 10 days and these guys aren't testing out of it anytime soon so your positives aren't turning negative the the league will be shut down just based on player availability have you guys heard what's going on with um with the nhl today the nhl needs to follow the nfl's lead here in a big way they had two shorthanded teams win last night i know that so colorado had they were three players short, ended up getting another player back 10 minutes into the game. Colorado played here in Nashville. And what happened today after they chose to play last night, I'll explain all this coming up, is crazy. And what Washington, who's not under any type of COVID protocol in a serious way, what the Capitals had to do last night and today is also just nuts. And the NHL has a huge problem on their hands where right now, they have paused the season for three teams for the next 10 days. Jeez. 
So that's wiping out schedules, and they have to figure out what to do across the league. Uh, I'll give you all the details there that factor into how the NFL will go about handling this and postponing games, rescheduling games, changing policies, all of that straight ahead. Plus, it is bowl season. Football is here across college football. Middle Tennessee and Toledo. Who else is here? Your Blue Raiders. Blue Raiders are leading. He's They're not here. only wearing this to cheer. He's finally found a way to be warm in this studio. Uh, that's right. Uh, Blue Raiders were 10-point underdogs. They lead by 11, I believe, right now yes. in the fourth quarter. So uh, congrats to Rick Stockstill and uh, MTSU. We'll give details on that game for everyone locally uh, on Twitter. You can follow us at Outkick360. When we come back, we've got more of the, the COVID policy craziness. And Withrow has his top bowl games for this postseason, the top non-playoff bowl games that you need to pay attention to and why. That's next on Outkick 360. First, though, fanduel.com slash OK360. First-time users, an excellent offer for you. 25-1 to odds for a touchdown to be scored in the New Orleans and Tampa Bay game. That, That is worth going to sign up for. As Withrow likes to say, if you haven't done this, why have you not done this? 25 to 1 odds, a maximum bet of $5, meaning a $5 bet wins you $125 by opting in and making this your first bet. Any touchdown, Saints or Bucks, you can bet 5 to win 125 today. FanDuel.com slash OK360. Outkick 360 rolls on. The NHL COVID policy makes even less sense than the NFL's right now. Quick details here. Last night, the Nashville Predators, down their entire coaching staff, flew in the coaching staff from Milwaukee to coach. Now, it, it, it's a difficult situation to be in, but keep in mind those coaches, the, 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 the minor league teams, they would have been in for camps um, with, with these players, know these players, what have you. Still a difficult situation, and the Preds were down many players. Same goes for Colorado, although they didn't really know it until they tested right before the game. And that's, that's what's crazy about this. Colorado, who has now postponed games until December 27th. They've just canceled until they put everything on pause for 10 days. Along Enjoy with, your Christmas, everyone. Along with the later. Flames and the Panthers. Um, they've postponed everything until December 27th. Colorado's players had the opportunity to cancel last night's game as they sat in the locker room and chose to play. And I give them props for that because... This, the, the policy that's in place is just bizarre. So it, at Bridgestone Arena, like many arenas, there is a rehearsal hall. And whenever the visiting team arrives, you have to go into the rehearsal hall to get tested. So this is two hours before the game, an hour before the game. Guys who were positive were then alerted in the locker room and removed from the locker room where they continued to test. Multiple players for Colorado took two extra tests trying to test out, and one of them did and joined the team on the bench 10 minutes into the game. And meanwhile, Colorado, literally an hours before the game, they're learning that as they sit in Nashville, they're down several players of their own that they can't just call up guys because it's, the, it's not just the day of the game. It is almost game time, and they chose to play. Washington and the Capitals last night were in Chicago. That's where the Preds are currently. They flew to Chicago today. The Preds are staying at the same hotel that Washington was at yesterday. The Capitals decided to stay in Washington or to stay in Chicago last night. They have a game in Winnipeg today. They stayed in Chicago last night, woke up at the team hotel as the Predators were on their way, tested, 
made sure everyone was negative, including the coaching staff, got on a bus, went straight to the plane, flew to Winnipeg. And the reason for that is they didn't want to get stuck in Winnipeg and have to fight their way back into the United States if a player tested positive day of the game, which is the policy that's in place. It's all bizarre. You don't want to travel on game day, and that's what Washington and the Caps are having to do right now. And, you know, they'll play Winnipeg tonight after waking up in Chicago today. Craziness On top of that, now if you have a 10-day pause in your season, you're probably missing three, four games and the competitive disadvantage when they shove these back into the schedule along the way is that you're a lot more tired than the teams that you no are doubt. playing. Currently, Middle Tennessee leads Toledo in the first bowl game of the 2021 bowl season, 31-17 to 17, with about four minutes remaining in the game, maybe less than that now, right at four minutes, 31-17, the current score, Blue Raiders over Toledo. Uh, that did not make Withrow's list of his top 10 non-playoff games to watch. Rightfully so. A game in the Bahamas played in front of about 14 people. Not that exciting. But there are exciting games to pay attention to, and Withrow's got them for you right now. Well, I didn't put this game on the list because I knew it would be happening during this show, That's but it reason. also would not have been on the list Thank you. even if it wasn't. Game number 10, as we look at the graphic, Florida and UCF in the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. Again, these are all non-playoff games that I'm looking at. You got freshman quarterback Mikey Keene uh, for UCF, took over for Dylan Gabriel earlier this year. A chance to really impress a game where UCF is going to care more than Florida. Emory Jones, I find this fascinating, already announced that he's going to transfer. He will enter the transfer portal, um, but he will also play in this game and start for Florida. So this is his send-off as a Florida Gator. Florida has their leading receiver and leading tackler, Jacob Copeland leading receiver, and their leading tackler also. They have transferred. They will not be there for this game. This is a chance for UCF to get a game that they've been trying to schedule for a while. They get in a bowl game. That's December 23rd, 7 p.m. Game number nine. I just like this as a rivalry game right on the border between South Carolina and North Carolina. Pack Stadium. Pack Stadium. Duke's Mayo Bowl. Not normally a bowl game. You'd say Pack Stadium. That would go with it. But you've got Charlotte, North Carolina. For those that aren't familiar with the geography, let me enlighten you a little bit. Uh, when you land in Charlotte, North Carolina, you land in the state of South Carolina because the airport is actually located in South Carolina and you go over the state line into North Carolina. It's right there on the border of North Carolina and South Carolina. Perfect border battle game for a bowl. North Carolina... First off, we'll start with South Carolina. Trying to have a winning record in year one under Shane Beamer would be quite the feat. Sam Howell, respect the heck out of him. He's playing. He's probably going to be going pro. A lot of other players are opting out. I'm not saying that's the worst decision for some of these guys, but Sam Howell, who's battled injuries all year, the great quarterback for North Carolina, is playing. Their defensive back, Kyler McMichael, is opting out. North Carolina, I think an eight-point favorite in this game, but I really like this rivalry matchup. Game number eight, This game would have been much higher on my list had Kenny Pickett not opted out for Pittsburgh, uh, had Kenneth Walker not opted out for Michigan State. But I've got Michigan State and Pitt in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. That's December 30th, 7 p.m. Eastern. Peyton Thorne is the star quarterback in this game without Kenny Pickett for Michigan State. Keep in mind, Jordan Addison won every receiver award nationally for Pitt. He's still there. He's got to be huge in this game. Plus, you have the Pat Narduzzi factor. Narduzzi going against his former employer in Michigan State. 
where he spent eight years and really helped make Michigan State a consistent winner under uh, Mike D'Antonio. I'm trying to come to terms with those departures better, but that game, you take those two players out, and it goes from, like, I really want to see that to I really am not. Well, I mean, what it does is it takes that game. If you have Kenneth Walker and you have Pickett playing, that's probably number one or number two on his that's list. A really and good it drops list. it down. That's a really good game. Well, with those and it's two also, guys in it. you know, I really like playing bowl pools. We do on my family every year. And I get into it and I, I get sort of emotionally attached to rooting for teams I picked in my bowl pool. Makes it really hard to pick a winner in that game. I mean, you've got Kenny Pickett not there for Pitt, you've got Kenneth Walker. The best offensive weapon for Michigan State, not there also. Anyway, we move on. Game number seven, Arkansas and Penn State in the Outback Bowl. This is a New Year's Day game, noon Eastern. Sean Clifford, when Penn State couldn't get anything going uh, on the ground against Michigan State, Sean Clifford threw for 313 yards, three touchdowns. He is going to be pivotal in this game. Arkansas, not great against the pass. Keep that in mind, though. Their schedule is so difficult. Uh, that kind of inflates some of their stats where they're probably better against more pedestrian teams. Um, Arkansas trying to win nine games for the first time since Bobby Petrino did so in 2012, and they went 11-2. and two. No trailing Burks for Arkansas. That's a big loss. They're a great receiver and a big part of their offense. They will travel to that game. They will indeed. Game number six, not a lot of travel needed for Tennessee fans. Tennessee and Purdue in the Transperfect Music City Bowl. Another one with a great atmosphere. Should be a sellout or close to it. Tennessee scored 45-plus points in November in three of their four games, the three victories, the one loss coming to Georgia. Uh, And then you've got, on the flip side of that, for Purdue, quarterback Aiden O'Connell. He's a talent to watch. 23 touchdowns, eight interceptions on the season, 3,178 yards. But, guys, get this. 40% of his offense was David Bell, who opted out. 40% of the 3,178 passing yards went directly to Mr. Bell. George Karlaftis, their All-American defensive end, and Bell both opting out. That certainly plays in the Tennessee's favor. That is game number six. Game number five, I think some people probably shake their head when I lay out this game is in my top five. Iowa State and Clemson is a terrific matchup. This is the... Paul's favorite bowl game, the Cheez-It Bowl, that takes place in Orlando on December 29th at 545. Uh, James Skalski, the linebacker for Clemson, a big-time leader. This is going to be his send-off. Clemson arguably has the second-best defense in the country uh, behind Georgia. They've been great on that side. And then Iowa State, you've got this legendary senior class that has won more than any senior class in Iowa State history in their send-off, led by Brock Purdy, Uh, He owns or shares 31 Iowa State records as their quarterback. Will Brees Hall, the great running back play for Iowa State. We don't know that yet, but I really like this matchup between Iowa State and Clemson. Also, you got Clemson breaking in two new coordinators in this game, and you've got some continuity with Iowa State, so it's not one of these games where it's an interim coach situation uh, with the the head person. Let's go to uh, game number four. Texas A&M and Wake Forest. This is the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. New Year's Eve, 11 a.m. Can Wake's offensive line contain Texas A&M's defensive front? That is the big question this game. Four interceptions for Sam Hartman against um, Pitt in the ACC championship. They could do nothing against Pitt's defensive front. That's going to be a big challenge. Even without DeMarvin Leal, who's opted out of this game for Texas A&M, Michael Clemens, he is big on that defensive front. 
These two teams, guys, they met, you may not remember this, but in the 2017 Belk Bowl, Wake Forest won that game 55-52. to This was after Kevin Sumlin got fired and they had an interim coach as Jimbo Fisher got hired to go to A&M before he got there. So A&M actually trying to avenge a bowl game loss to Wake Forest. I bet, Paul, you know how NFL scouts have to trade to attend bowl games? Yeah. I bet that they're, because you can only attend so many, I bet there are a lot of trades going on to get up and watch Texas A&M and Wake Forest in this game on, on New Year's Eve. Yeah, I think this Just is to watch the be, quarterback play against that defensive front. Yeah, this is going to yeah. be a, a fun game of, of contrasting I, styles. Uh, yeah, that, that'll be... Chairs will be hard to get at that one. Game number three, Oregon versus Oklahoma. This is sort of the influx bowl. It's actually the, the Valero Alamo Bowl being played December 29th, 9-15. Bob Stoops returns to the sideline for Oklahoma in his vintage visor one more time. Sooners fans will be excited about that. They should also be excited about Caleb Williams. He will get another chance this season to play the great quarterback, the young uh, the young quarterback for Oklahoma. Oregon is being led by interim coach Brian McClendon. SEC fans know him. He was offensive coordinator at South Carolina. He was a, a wide receiver at Georgia in the David Green, David Pollock era, early 2000s uh, Georgia teams. He is now the interim head coach at Oregon. And a lot of questions about what he's going to do. He's got the opportunity to follow Mario Cristobal to Miami. He also knows Dan Lanning with the Georgia connection. So he's not uh, he's not tipped off anyone yet as to what he's going to do, but he's going to have the opportunity to stay at Oregon as well. If all things were equal and both coaches were there, this might be my number one game. Venables with there, this and what does he do? Venables will probably be in a booth watching. At weird. this game, uh, and he'll it, probably join. Weird, yeah. He'll probably join the TV broadcast. Billy Napier of, will do the same thing. A lot of coaching movement, but they're not coaching. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird when they hop on the broadcast when their team is on the field playing and they they're just not coaching them. Who's that down there, Bill? I like that speed on that guy. Well, a game uh, that I've got a number two. You don't have to worry about that, Paul, because both coaches stayed, stayed. put. Baylor and Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin just signed a seven point five million-dollar contract to stay at Ole Miss. He's after Bo Nix, too. That's right. And Ole Miss, it's the first time ever with 10 regular season wins. You get to see Matt Corral one more time. Player to watch for Baylor, converted linebacker Abram Smith, 1,429 yards, 6.2 yards per carry this year. Running offense, defense for Baylor. Obviously a different style for Ole Miss. Who wins out? I think it's a great matchup. And the Sugar Bowl is always a fun, a fun and festive game to watch. That's January 1st, 8.45 p.m. A solid one. Finally, my number one game, again, non-playoff edition, number one bowl game, the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. Oklahoma State, Notre Dame. This is New Year's Day, 1 p.m. Marcus Freeman, new Notre Dame head coach. It's his debut. Paul, he will not I be like in the that. television like booth. Uh, he was on the staff, so he is elevated, and he will now be on the sideline as the head coach in this game. Uh, I saw our guy Bobby Carpenter tweet this out. Fun fact. Marcus Freeman's last game, and Bobby Carpenter played this game with him, was a Fiesta Bowl as a player at Ohio State, Amen. and his first game as a head coach will take place in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, no Kyron Williams, the great running back for Notre Dame, or Kyle Hamilton, the safety, both opting out. And for Oklahoma State, Jim Knowles, former Cornell head coach, the defensive coordinator who won a bunch of awards this year, this is his final game. Remember, he accepted the job at Ohio State to be their defensive coordinator. He will coach this game for Oklahoma State. Average age of the Oklahoma State defense is 22 years old. 
a very veteran defense that was so good this year for Oklahoma State. So a big send-off also game for them as by well. BYU. How close were you on one and two? Pretty close. Um, I, I think the uh, the Marcus Freeman debut factor pushed it over the top for me in terms of just interest in watching a game. Well done, with should Rob. be two good ones. Chad's top 10 bowl games, non-playoff edition. It's a heck of a job jamming all those graphics in there. I think the, uh, I think the upset on this, uh, that if someone saw this list, they'd say, what the hell? Yeah. No Rose Bowl in the top 10. I don't care at all about Ohio State and Utah. You can quote me on that. I do not care. Ohio State is going to destroy them. That is, that is, my, <laughs> that is my guess. With all due respect, I like Kyle Whittingham. Uh, they are not going to keep up with Ohio State in this game. Coming up, NFL upsets for Week 15. I tried my best to stay away from the COVID craziness. It's hard. Uh, looking at FanDuel.com and picking straight winners for some underdogs this week. I've got two of them for you. Paul's got some props for you as well as we get you ready for Sunday's kickoffs. Maybe they include tomorrow night, which the one game that's still on, Colts hosting the Patriots. We'll preview that game and more coming up on OutKick 360. Congrats to the Blue Raiders. 31-24 winners to kick off the bowl season. The Bahamas Bowl complete. That's how we do it here in Middle Tennessee. We win. Trophies. Third bowl win in, in the Division One era for Middle Tennessee. Congrats to Rick Stockstill and the entire Blue Raider team. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody. Quality tweet from Casey Hayward, uh, former Vandy player, correct? Yes. Uh, of the oh, Raiders. Yeah. He said uh, he, he pulled a quote from Mike Garofolo uh, from the July NFL memo that basically said, we're not moving games for any medical stuff, period even if you're depleted at a position group. And he said, I'm sure the NFLPA president playing for the Browns didn't have any effect on these negotiations. None whatsoever. Well, and again, I, and going back to what we discussed in that first segment, but the reason that was put out there originally was because everyone said that if you got vaccinated, you weren't going to get it. So that was the penalty for not getting vaccinated. Well, you weren't going to have to go through all these protocols. To get everyone and, vaccinated. But it's not just that. It. it was just you're not going to have issues. So we're not canceling games. That's your own fault if, if you get it now. Everyone's realizing, oh, you can still test positive and be asymptomatic having been vaccinated. Time for our upset picks of the week. I've got two of them for you. I've already placed these at fanduel.com slash OK360. And for the first time, Titans are on this list for me. I'm taking Pittsburgh uh, in week 15. One of my upsets, they're a home dog to the Titans, and I think the trio of DeAndre Johnson, uh, Chase Claypool, Pat Fryermuth, really going to challenge the Titans secondary and over the middle, and I haven't even mentioned the fact that Najee Harris has 60-plus receptions out of the backfield for Ben Roethlisberger, but more, more than that, this is me saying I don't trust the Titans' offense to be more consistent than what we've seen in recent weeks, and until they prove me wrong on that, I'm, I'm taking Pittsburgh at home in a game that is truly impactful to their season. The Titans could use it too. They, they can wrap up the AFC South potentially by having a win if the Colts lose tomorrow night to the Patriots. I'm taking the Steelers in this. And I'm taking the Bengals over the Broncos. There are huge playoff implications in this game. Paul laid them out for you yesterday. Zach Taylor met privately with his leadership group, the captains of his team this week, 
after two straight losses to get things back on track, to maybe adjust and tweak some things. They go on the road. This game's being played at mile high, but they're two-and-a-half-point underdogs, and the Bengals, to me, are just the better team. They, they haven't been running the football nearly as efficiently um, in, in recent weeks, but Burrow, he's, he's made some connections with T. Higgins. He, T. Higgins has three 100-yard games in a row. Uh, Jamar Chase and, and Burrow have had a great report throughout the entire season. Burrow is hurt. He is not injured. He's got an issue with his pinky finger on his throwing hand, but I just like the moxie of Joe Burrow. I've liked it since week one this year. I'm sticking with the Bengals over the Denver Broncos this week, so I'm going Steelers-Bengals. In that division, two teams that need wins, massive wins, they get them this week. Both entirely possible. I've got some props. Um, I had some trouble in some categories, so here's where I wound up. Highest scoring games, I like two. Um, I like the Saints at the Bucks. Last four games for the for the Bucks: 30, 38, 30, 33. Saints have managed to score a couple times, 29, 6, 17, 30. This is the most popular pick of the week. It's only plus 650. I also like Green Bay here to score a bunch against wounded Baltimore that has problems at cornerback. Not a good position to be hurting at against Aaron Rodgers. Bucks, uh, 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 Pack has scored 17, 31, 36, 45, trending upwards. Baltimore, 16, 16, 19, 22. I think this would, one would be a lot of Packer points and not a lot of Raven points. We may not even see Lamar Jackson in this yeah, game. Yeah, plus, plus 1,000 here. I think it's a good risk to take. Cooper Cup, plus 700 to be uh mo- have most receiving yards of the week against uh Seattle. Seattle is 32nd in the league um for passing average a game. Cup is uh an unstoppable machine. And I'm going to ride the George Kittle train just in case he picks up where he left off last week. He's plus 2600 a week after 13 for 151 against Cincinnati. So that's a hell of a payoff if he uh, if he picks up where he left off. I like the uh, George Kittle prop there because, especially after seeing what we saw from Kelsey last night, we'll get to that game coming up as we, we kick off the hour number two uh, and the impact of that Chiefs win over the Chargers and the Chargers game plan for that. Um, just going back to, real quick on some of the protocols today, uh, reschedules if you're just joining us. Raiders-Browns, originally scheduled for tomorrow, has been rescheduled scheduled for tomorrow Early, 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 excuse me, prior to the Colts-Patriots game. There's just one game tomorrow now, Colts-Patriots. Early evening. Uh, Raiders-Browns has been moved to Monday night. There is now a Monday night football doubleheader. I'm assuming this is a CBS game that remains a CBS game. You know what? I have not seen, Um, uh, but I I would presume it stays with what it's on. Monday at 5 o'clock Eastern is where they're going to kick off, and then the Vikings and Bears already scheduled for Monday night football on ESPN. That remains the same. So you get that doubleheader. And then we have two games on Tuesday, although we have we don't have official kickoff times yet. Washington at Philly. Um, Washington has been hit hard. Uh, 21 players on their COVID list. Uh, that was late last night. They may have added more today. Uh, Garrett Gilbert was signed today. Currently, he's the starter for Washington. Just crazy. Uh, at, at quarterback. Um, they, they've been moved to Tuesday against Philadelphia and what is a, a, a pivotal, uh, pivotal game for them in that division for both teams. And then LA and the Rams against Seattle, they're hosting the Seahawks. 
That game has also been moved to Tuesday night. Um, that will be the late game if they do a doubleheader because of the West Coast ties. Packed football week. You got two Monday, two Tuesday, and a Thursday. Uh, that's not bad with the Titans hosting the 49ers. So, um, well, not even this week. So right now we will have NFL football eight of the next ten days because keeping keep into account you have Saturday, Sunday. You have games tomorrow, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. There is a game next Thursday. There will be a game. Uh, the Browns and Packers play on Christmas Day on Saturday, and then you have Sunday games and Monday Night Football again. Eight of the next ten, you get your NFL fix because of all the shuffling going on with the COVID-19 protocols that may be done away with by the time we wake up Monday morning. Don't know, but the NFL and the NFLPA, they're definitely meeting about it because right now teams are struggling to find players to fill their roster with everyone going on this reserve list. Headlines next, including Chiefs and Chargers on Outkick 360.